recording. Yes. All right, welcome everybody. This is August the 31st, 2022. This is our All Lives Matter call with Dr. Alex Lloyd and Dr. David Peck, myself assisting. Um, we'll hear from, Alex has joined us now, so we're gonna start in a few seconds. Let me read this disclaimer first. This presentation is for education and informational purposes only. And since we're going to be talking about issues of health and well-being, we wanted to make sure that you understand this information is not intended to heal or cure anything. Everything in the presentation are the opinions of Dr. Alex Lloyd, Dr. David Peck, myself, or possibly you if you choose to share. You should always check with a licensed healthcare provider about any specific health concerns you may have. So, okay, guys, take it away. All right. Alex? Wait, we can't hear you. Can't hear you, Alex. <laughs> How about now? Yes. All right. Uh, thank you, uh, everyone. Welcome. Uh, we're so thrilled that you're here. David and I are on a mission. I'm Alex Lloyd. This is Dr. David Peck. Uh, David is a double board certified surgeon and a whole bunch of other stuff, bunch of clinical papers. Uh, published four United States patents, a professor at Columbia in New York for over 20 years. And we believe that one of the biggest issues in everyone's life is mental health, emotional well-being, and that these things often underlie physical health and other problems too. And we believe we have a solution to that. And so we decided, hey, why don't we just give it away? Why don't we see if we can help a million to a billion people increase their emotional well-being by, by over at least 100%, at least double it in a year? And for many people, that, that may happen in a month. For some, it may take a little bit longer. But uh, the one thing I do know, if your emotional and mental well-being increases by 100%, uh, many people are not going to recognize you. And, and you may be one of them, okay? You may not recognize yourself. So that's why we're here, and we are giving you everything for free that you need that we think in order to do this. And uh, that's what we're doing here. We started a few months ago with uh, one person here. Uh, I, I had someone check it a couple of weeks ago and they said we were up to about a thousand people uh, listening to these, not live, but eventually over, you know, after it's posted. So I feel pretty good about that, at least as far as a start. Uh, but we don't want you to follow us. We, we want you to join hands with us. I, share, I shared this a few weeks ago. The science is that if you get 144 people approximately <clears throat> that are 100% completely committed to something, that that will achieve critical mass and it will then spread and really you won't be able to stop it. So we're looking for 144 people and we've heard from several of you, hey, I'm in, I'm one, great but we need 144 and we've not gotten that yet. So uh, maybe you're the next one of those or maybe someone in your family or neighbor or somebody at church or a, a group that you're involved with. Um, 
but we believe we can help and we're doing it at, for free and we're giving our time to do it for free. So um, that's why we're here. Uh, Dave, I'm going to pass it to you and you can share whatever you want to about that and also introduce our issue for this week. Okay, great. Um, so yeah, um, Alex and the Healing Codes changed my life and made me realize that our medical system, sadly, um, I believe is missing the boat <laughs> and um, in many ways. And so um, I'm committed to helping this movement and helping people to uh, recognize the importance of this type of healing and that this healing, at least in my opinion, is very much the present and going into the future, we're going to be, this is going to be the, the focus, I believe, because it works and it works amazingly. So anyway, um, so I'm here and I'm here for the, I'm in here for the long haul, you know, really, you know, Alex is basically sacrifices whole life and everything and just whatever and is all in and oh my God, you know, um, just want to support that as much as possible, you know, because but anyway, in the right place. So today's topic is deals with fear. So the, the idea came to me last week after I heard a saying that's been passed around. It's called FOMO, fear of missing out. And it got me thinking about slogans and sayings and how slogans and sayings that we use in everyday life actually drive and fuel um, negative emotions, our negative emotions. And FOMO is one of them, because if you, if you promote fear of missing out, what you're saying is that I, I'm at risk or I'm, I'm, I'm in, potentially I won't, I'll miss something or I'll be left out of a group and, and so, as such. So it's, it's, it's a form of creating fear. And there are many other expressions. And I wanted to sort of like get ideas from other people also, like what are some expressions? Well, things like Murphy's Law. Murphy's Law is like, oh, what could always, you know, whatever's going to go wrong will always go wrong or something like, well, that's not true. Or, or no good deed goes unpunished. Um, the other one, uh, I had written down a few of them. Uh, you'll be the envy of all your neighbors. Well, you know, that's creating a humility issue or promoting it. It's like you want to be envious. It's like exact opposite of really what you want or the truth, actually. And then, you know, another one is you'll regret it. It'll always come back to haunt you or bite you or that. Stuff. So, you know, anything that's a limiting belief. So these are just kind of expressions. I like to raise awareness with people so that when they hear the expression, they'd be like, wait a second. I don't really think that's saying the right thing. I mean, it's creating negative emotions in me and I probably don't want to be part of that. So anyway, so that was the idea behind that. So, you know, that got to me. So I, I communicate with Alex about the topics and such. And then of course he's going to challenge me <laughs> to, to really, you know, focus on being truthful about myself. So he's like, okay, well, that's great. Tell us about, you know, you could include something about you then and you now, you know, in my fear issue. So, I, you know, I would like to share my fear issue again with you because I had some epiphanies that occurred really over the last week, two weeks. And so I, I had um, told you previously about there were two major events in my childhood with my father that really drove my, you know, early childhood and even later and kind of um, 
know, ruined the dating life and really took away my sexuality in a, in a sense. And that one was a humiliation at um, liking a girl. I called it the Donna Greenberg story where I was, I guess it was right around adolescence and went to the swimming pool and we were playing tag and I was all excited. She liked me and I liked her. It seemed like so I came home to dad all excited and boy, he just, he humiliated me. Oh my God. I don't even remember what exactly what he said, but it was kind of like, Oh, you little kid, whatever. That probably told everybody else. Anyway, I, you know, from then on, I was like, never again wanted to actually, I was, what I realized now is, I was had a I have a fear of humiliation of admitting that I like somebody or being attracted to someone. So that's really crazy. But that was the one. And then the other one had to do with penis size and checking penis size. So that was another. So um, anyway, those two things, as you can imagine, Alex uh, yeah. talked about it before. You know, it, it had quite an effect. And, and so now I'd like to tell you what effect it really had. You know, as a result of Alex's questions and <laughs> challenging me, but then, so what was I then? Okay, well, uh, you know, I used to keep attractive women away from me as much as possible, honestly, avoid them altogether. I used to cut my hair off and whatever it was, you know, never even, you know, try to look or whatever, always settling for less, always settling for like a convenient relationship or something like that never really being with the person that I really wanted to be with, you know, because I didn't have an opportunity. Then. So anyway, that was one. And then pornography, okay. Pornography addiction. We talked about taking innocence and school girl, Asian school girl, whatever fetish. Then there's also prostitutes, you know, that was another one. You know, it was, um, they won't reject you right? You can't get rejected. So that was my other fear, of course, being rejected as well, as well as being humiliated, you know, with someone that I like. That's another one. Um, okay, I guess those are the main ones. <laughs> Taking Viagra, <laughs> you know, <laughs> surfing porn or prostitutes or something. Anyway, then I also, I'm also the other point I had to make was that I married a woman that I actually didn't have sexual chemistry with, <laughs> believe it or not. And I also told this story before, I told it last week, but you know, I had gone to Korea and the girls there would tell say, oh, what kind of girl you like, whatever. I had no idea. I never even considered like what I would actually like. So this is all a result of like one day, right? With my dad at the age of 12 or something like that. <laughs> God. So how am I now? <laughs> okay, good. Um, haven't looked at porn in probably, I don't know, 10 years, eight, 10 years. No interest. Um, I really enjoy attracting the opposite sex now, <laughs> you know. Um, haven't been sexually active in over 10 years. <laughs> wow. Um, so, and now I actually believe that um, I have the capacity to love which I never felt that I had. Yeah. Uh, sort of regaining my sexuality, not preoccupied with penis size. That was me before also. But what I have to say is that, you know, there's something triggered this. I mean, I, I bumped into a person and it was just a short chat, you know, five minutes. And um, 
this person had an effect on me, an incredible effect. And oh my God, you know, I've been in tears, actually. I've been counting, you know, 17 times and sobbing in the last four or five days. It's crazy. I mean, like, and um, so, you know, the other point I wanted to make about that is that even though I had addressed those memories early on, you know, um, and it had made things a lot better for me, you know, something else happens to you, you know, out of nowhere. And then it triggers you into a much deeper healing process. And that's what I'm going through now, you know, so, um, but I would have never been able to experience what I've experienced over the last few days without having laid groundwork earlier, you know, and getting to a point where I could experience that. So that's part of the idea with, you know, you work through the issues and the memories and you get balance, some balance, and then more balance. And then something hits you and, you know, you're, something triggers you in the day and then it opens up something else or goes, makes you go deeper into the same thing. So, you know, the healings, this is a journey, as Alex was saying, you know, this is a journey. This is a lifelong journey. It's a process. But when I think now, like the direction that I was going in, you know, of course I, I didn't see any of it myself, but you know, I would not be where I am now. Not, I mean, I'd be totally different. I feel honestly, Alex, I got to tell you this. I have never felt better in my entire life in all ways and physically every way, you know, yeah, in my entire life at this age. That's great. Uh, Dave, I can say the same thing. And, and, and it amazes me. I was thinking, I was talking to somebody about that yesterday and I'm like, I'm amazed at how happy I am. I've, <laughs> you know, um, let me, let me uh, give my two cents and then we'll do the code. But um, I don't know how you do this, David, but you keep coming up with those, these issues that are the biggest issues of my life. And the fear of missing out is what has led me into almost every sin area of my life, what I would consider a sin and what I would consider the biggest mistakes of my life. That that one thing has led me into that. Um, I, most people know I grew up in a very strict religious, legalistic home, church, and school. I was in kind of an incubator triangle, and all of them were sort of brainwashing me. Okay, uh, and 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 I believed it. Uh, I mean, I think most people would believe it, but for whatever, I believed it. But if you, they actually did Gallup, it wasn't Gallup, it was another group, but they did polls about my specific denomination, David, But um, because what they found, this is the reason they did it, it's what they thought, and it's what they found, is that children who grew up in my particular denomination had more of a tendency in dating to do everything except sex, actual intercourse, more than any other group they had ever seen in the world, but stop short of actual intercourse. So oral and everything else, yes, but we just don't do the intercourse because of God. But everything else somehow miraculously must be okay with God as long as we don't do intercourse, okay? And, and 
That is what I was taught basically growing up. Okay. And that's what the poll found, but. Sounds fun. (laughs) Yeah. But what I can tell you is that, you know, when I was growing up short and fat and ugly and pepperoni face with acne, when I got to that place and all that, I heard all the other guys talking about, you know, the girls they were dating and what they were doing on dates and all of that sort of thing. And it was just a dream for me. I'd never experienced anything like that. Never thought I would experience anything like that. Okay. But when I slimmed up a little bit and my appearance changed due to exercise and I was, and I started dating some attractive girls, David, it's, it's like somebody uh, spiked me with fentanyl or something. I mean, I mean, I felt stuff that I couldn't even put words to, and I was addicted to it. I mean, I wanted to go out with an attractive girl. Let's get dinner over with as fast as we can, and then let's get to a place to park and start making out and pulling clothes off and touching and all that sort of stuff for as long. Now, we're not going to have sex, so, but, so it's completely legal as long as we don't do that. And we do it over and over and over every single night. And then another girl, another girl, another girl, another girl. And, and David, it was, it was an obsession. If anyone has ever had an obsession and, and it wasn't just that it was other areas of my life too. Um, the, the, I've told people about the very first time I ever stole anything. And it was a candy bar when I was a little kid. I can remember like it's yesterday, David, walking around bored. And as soon as I thought about that candy bar, and then I thought about, but wait a minute, I don't have money for a candy bar. So then the thought of not having the candy bar after I'd been thinking about it for 20 minutes and how good it was going to be was like, no, that would be catastrophic. Okay. So that's what led me to went and, to go and steal it is the fear of missing out on something. And, and one of the things, if, if you're here listening to David and I right now, that, that to me is a really, um, it's a really critical factor in, in this kind of thing. Okay. Um, I was not thinking clearly, but I didn't know it. The obsession was, was so huge to me. And, 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 and by the way, after about a year of that, I didn't really even enjoy it that much anymore. Now it was just sort of an obsession without all the great pleasure stuff, okay? But here's the psychology of it. When you think about something like that and imagine yourself eating it or, or doing the sexual thing or the pornography or... Um, or uh, tearing someone else down because you don't like them or whatever that is for you, okay? Once you imagine that, your unconscious mind has taken ownership of it. Now to your unconscious, it's no longer just something to do or not do. If I don't do it now, it's a big loss to me. To your conscious mind. To your yeah, conscious mind. To, to my unconscious mind. If I don't do it now, 
It's a big sense of loss, like losing something I had, even though I never had it. I was just thinking about it, okay? But after so much time, and, and it's different for different people. For some people, it can be 60 seconds. For some, it's more, okay? But after a certain point in time, your unconscious mind takes ownership of it. Now, if you don't do it, it's going to bug the fire out of you because your unconscious mind is saying, we don't want to miss out. You can't take this away from us. You just gave it to us. Well, no, I didn't give it to you. I was just thinking about it. But to the unconscious, we already had it. And so now to either give it up or not do it is a sense of loss. Well, what happens when you have loss? You grieve. Okay. So, so it, if I cross that timeline where my unconscious takes ownership of it, now if I don't do it, I'm going to go into the grief cycle. Well, what's the grief cycle? Anger, um, bargaining, depression, except, you know, and the last one is acceptance. It, there, there's five of them, the stages. Um, but that's what happens if you imagine doing that, think about wanting it and having it and what it's going to be like for, the, for whatever the period of time is for you that your unconscious takes ownership. The instant it takes ownership, it's now almost impossible for you not to do it. So you have to short circuit that at the first when you start thinking about it. Now, you probably got to heal that obsession, you know, with the codes or whatever, like we're doing. But then after that's healed, in order to not go back there again, you've got to short circuit that right at the point of thinking about it. And, and I would say at the point of temptation, okay, you've got to take ownership of that uh, thought and say, no, that, that has not already happened. I do not already have that. I do not need to go to grief. If I decide not to do it, I'm stopping this cycle. But you may not be able to until you heal the obsession right. from the past. Okay, so I'm ready. Uh, if you want to add uh, yeah. something, Dave, and then I'm no, ready I, when you are. Yeah, that, that's the point, though. That's, this, is what, this is what the Healing Codes trilogy does. The, it allows you to make the choice because right. without the healing, you cannot choose. You're triggered. Yeah, you're your reacting. Right. It, it's a have to. It, it, it's a have to. It's yeah. And, it, and 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 I'll feel a sense of panic almost if I think something's going to mess with me being able to do it again. I, I'll feel almost a sense of panic to the point that may cause me to lie or manipulate or do all kinds of stuff in order to get that back again. Hmm. So Dave, I'm ready to do the-, the Okay, okay. So we'll say uh, a personal fear issue, would that be? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, 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 uh, and I really love the way you put it, that fear of missing out, which literally can apply to anything. It can apply to lunch or, your career, anything. Okay. So we pray, we request that all destructive negative cellular memories, unhealthy habits and addictions 
false negative limiting beliefs and any relationship issues related to a personal fear issue, including fear of missing out, let this be found, opened, and healed through love, light, truth, and God. Amen. Okay, in the first position, both hands in the jaws, healing code one. So everyone can find their own fear issue and work on that with this. Okay, second position, left hand bridge, right hand jaw. Left hand bridge, right hand jaw. Third position is left hand Adam's apple, right hand temple. Left hand Adam's apple, right hand temple. And the fourth position is both hands Adam's apple. Let's do one more cycle now. Both hands, jaws, first position. Second position, left hand, bridge, right hand, jaw. Position left hand Adam's apple, right hand temple. Okay, both both hands. Adam's apple now, fourth position, position. Okay, let's go back to position one now, both hands, jaws, and that'll be two cycles. 
Okay. Okay, let's move to uh, trilogy. Um, eyebrows, uh, acupuncture points, eyebrows, collarbones, side of the hand, temples, middle of the chest, middle finger, sore spot, under the nose, thumb, under the arms, under the eyes, middle finger, under the nipples, 9G. Eyes open, closed, open, eyes down to the left, down to the right, circle your eyes, circle back the other way. Hit it, Dave. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to do happy birthday. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, section two, left hand brainstem, right hand forehead. Unconscious, subconscious, unconscious, ancestral, conscious intention, all of it right here. Pouring energy into all of those to do work from pop from negative to positive. Okay, let's activate governing and conception vessel three times in a row, please. Three times. If it hurts, you're pushing too hard. This calms the central nervous system. All right, now custom healing centers. Let's start with throat. Please open and harmonize. Crown, please open and harmonize. Middle of the stomach, please open and harmonize. Heart, please open and harmonize. Base or root on the pubic bone, please open and harmonize. Forehead, please open and harmonize. Under the belly button, please open and harmonize. Both hands over the heart. Slow, deep breaths, one after another. Let the code process. Check it again in 30 minutes. It'll usually be lower in 30 minutes than it is at the end of about a minute here. 
And I want to share one other thing while you're letting it process about the topic for today, fear of missing out. And I've shared this before. I saw an interview with Joe Walsh, who's one of the main um, members of the group, the Eagles, the rock and roll group from the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s, and 2020s, still going. Um, but he was a famous addict. And um, they asked him, how did it happen? And he said, well, I saw all these other people doing it. And they said it was great and how much fun they were having and how good it felt. And guess what he said, David? I felt like I was missing out. Uh -huh. And so he tried the cocaine and he said it was the single most experience, best experience of his life. That for the first and only time in his life, he felt like who he truly believed he was and wanted to be. And then for the next 50 years as an addict, he's chasing that first experience again and never has it. Never has it again. First time only. And he talked about how every addict he knows, that's their same basic story, is they feel like they're missing out, try it, it's unbelievable, and so that pulls them in to going for it again, but they never have the positive again. It turns into an obsession that rules their life. So um, this is one of the biggest issues on the planet. You know, I was joking, you pick these issues and they're all my biggest issues, and they are, but these are everybody's biggest issues as far as I know. So, um that's it for me. Um, and I've got to go. I'm sorry. I, I talked too much today. But um, are you staying, Dave? I'm staying. I'm staying. Okay. Thank you. I love you. Johanna, I love you. Thank you. And Thank you. Uh, April, Marilyn, Carolyn, Linda, M, whoever you are, Cora, and, and Denise and the others who are here and the thousand who are listening later. Thank you so much. Let us know if you're completely with us and committed and are willing to be part of that 144 so we can reach critical mass and change the world uh, through emotional well-being. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Love you. Love Thanks, you Alex. Too. Love you too. Go ahead.